You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Comes free for Pareko. He slides it to Saad. He crosses the red line. And now the Flames blue line. Saad shoots and scores. Brandon Saad seemed to catch Jacob Markstrom sleeping as he snaps a shot off the post and in. And with 48 seconds remaining in regulation time, the Blues take their first lead. It is four to three. That Brandon Sod goal was the heartbreaker for the Calgary Flames Tuesday night at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. That was the Blues' third straight goal that led to a late victory over the Calgary Flames, who have now turned a four-game winning streak into a three-game losing streak at home. And they now have two games left before the NHL's All-Star break to try and right the ship. Welcome into Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Gut punch, heartbreak, disappointment. Choose whichever word you want to describe a 4-3 loss at the Scotiabank Saddledome to the St. Louis Blues. But the Calgary Flames are unable to take a 3-1 lead home in the second period and come away with a victory against a team they are fighting with in the Western Conference playoff race. Thursday, they'll welcome in Johnny Gaudreau and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Saturday, the Chicago Blackhawks without Connor Bedard once again. And it sure feels like anything but four points from the Calgary Flames in their next two games is going to be a massive, massive disappointment. They were at practice on the Scotiabank Saddledome ice on Wednesday. We'll get you the latest lines and D pairings. We'll also hear from head coach Ryan Huska following morning skate. A couple Flames players on waivers today as well to tell you about. Could mean uh, some incoming returns to the Flames lineup. So that's exciting news. We'll also hear from the captain Michael Backlund and Nazem Kadri as we bring you the latest from the Flames locker room every single day. Here on Sportsnet today, a little bit later on, Alish Forfar, our Wednesday regular, is going to join us. Host of the fan pregame show on Sportsnet. It's the Leafs and the Jets on Wednesday night hockey. Winnipeg, one of the best teams in the entire NHL, going up against Toronto tonight across the Sportsnet television network. So we'll talk to Alish a little bit later on. And very excited in hour two as well to chat with new team president of the Calgary Stampeders. Jay McNeil, who takes over for John Huffnagle in that role. He's going to join us a little bit later on to talk about his new role with the Calgary Stampeders and some observations ahead of a busy uh, offseason coming up for Calgary. But we start um, with a very sensitive subject today here on the program. We will get to the Calgary Flames in just moments, but uh, reports this morning from number of outlets, but started by the Globe and Mail, reporting Wednesday that five players in the NHL have been told by London police services 
to surrender in connection with allegations of a sexual assault in June of 2018 on a woman by members of the 2018 Canadian World Junior Hockey Team. These players who have not been charged but have been given an undisclosed deadline to report to London police. Uh, That's, again, reported by the Globe and Mail, citing two unnamed sources. It was unclear what would happen if the players did not surrender before that deadline. Uh, But when contacted Tuesday night for comment, London police told Sportsnet, we are unable to provide an update at this time. When there is further information to share regarding this investigation, we will be in contact with media outlets. About a year ago, London police filed an application with the Ontario Court of Justice stating they had reasonable grounds to believe five members of the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team had sexually assaulted a woman. And in May of 2022, it was revealed that Hockey Canada had paid an undisclosed settlement to a woman in London, Ontario, after she alleged she was sexually assaulted by eight men, including members of the 2018 World Junior Team back in June of 2018. Um, There's been plenty of well-earned criticism for Hockey Canada. Um, There's been lots of different rumors flying around uh, the NHL today. And uh, look, it's not my place to uh, tell you how to feel about these things. The main point that I want to make on this today is I'm glad that we're getting hopefully closer to a resolution on this. The fact that it's taken this long and it's done the kind of damage to Hockey Canada and to the sport of hockey, and most importantly, to the victims in all of this, is ridiculous. We should not be, in January of 2024, still talking about this being an issue. And most importantly, I hope that this is the beginning of the end of the process here, and those who need to be held accountable are held accountable. Um, Again, names, things that you've seen on, on Twitter or different social media outlets and reports, that's not my place to get into. I'm not an NHL insider. I'm not a lawyer. I am not in any way, shape, uh, informed uh, by any, you know, member of of the London police uh, to to put names together with accusations and to put um, statements and and put A and B together. That's not my place on this show. It's not appropriate um, for me to do so. But it is important to know that this process is continuing. Um, that the the people who need to again be held accountable for this disgusting situation are getting closer to that. Again, I, I don't know if this means in a week or two weeks we get the names uh, involved in all of this. I don't know when they've been asked to specifically. Uh, surrender to to London police. We don't know any of those details. If I had them, I would share them with you. Um, but we don't, and I'm not, again, I'm not in a place to, to speculate on any of that. And the worst thing you could do in a situation like this is take something you've heard off of a Twitter account or a social media account and start putting names with accusations if you don't know the facts. That's the last thing you want to do on a day like today is put a name with an ugly situation only to find out that you're wrong because that's the sort of irreparable, but like that's just not a reputation that you 
can scrub off if you're one of those people. And that's why I'm not going to name names. That's why I'm not going to to connect the dots until I get more information. And I understand we live in we live in a time where we want everything uh, yeah, as soon as possible. And I and I understand. And I said at the beginning that six years is way too long for this to have been going on. But that doesn't change the fact that you need to be a hundred and fifty percent comfortable and confident and knowing your facts if you're going to connect somebody to this kind of situation and you don't actually know so don't think because you read something on twitter or a report or anything like this that that gives you the ability to connect two different things if you don't know the situation again i understand why people are frustrated i'm one of those people but we have to let the process handle itself out in the, the proper way and go from there. And whether that's a week from now or two weeks from now, as the London police finish their investigation, and we know the NHL is not going to dive into this until that investigation is complete, and then they'll handle their business separately. So just bear with the situation. I know it's a lot to ask. But again, this is just one of those things I don't think you want to be on the wrong side of when it comes to accusing people and and saying they're involved with something until you know the facts. And the, the problem is we don't know enough of the facts today. We don't have a, a report from, you know, an exact report from the people investigating this. You know, the the people that are going out to Globe and Mail. Rick Westhead, Elliot Friedman, the people that have been on this from the beginning, those are the people that you trust and that you can put at the head of this, you know, ahead of the list of names that you can trust in this sort of situation. But again, understand that there's two sides to this. And yes, due process can be a frustrating time to wait it out. And uh, we want results now and we want justice as soon as possible. But um, all I would say is just be be very careful with with how you go about things. These are people's lives that are being affected, and you just want to make sure that you're you're thinking about those sort of things before you you say anything. So that's the latest today. Five players have been told to surrender to uh, London police in connection with the 2018 World Juniors investigation. There have not been a list of names released by anybody. There have been several NHL players within the last 24 hours that have been granted personal leave by their team. does not mean they're connected. Um, Yes, you can obviously um, connect dots and see who played for certain teams at certain times, and that's fantastic. Um, But I'm not going to, again, come out here and tell you this person is or isn't involved um, until the facts are laid out by by London police and others who have been doing the actual investigating in this. So uh, a frustrating day, no doubt that uh, we don't get more information, but again, I'm hopeful. I'm really, really hopeful that this is the beginning of the end of this process and that we can sit here and, and talk about the end of this sooner than later. That's, that's the best way that, that I can, I can pass it along. 
So uh, frustrating, no doubt. I see your text on the text line uh, at nine six zero nine six zero. We'll um, we'll dive more into the Calgary Flames here coming up in a moment, but uh, I thought that was the most appropriate place to start with the news on this particular Wednesday. As far as the Calgary Flames are concerned, yes, uh, a gut punch last night at the Scotiabank Saddledome to the St. Louis Blues. Brandon Sod, as you heard from Derek in the intro, scores the game winner late in the third period, and the Calgary Flames blow a 3-1 lead and have now lost three in a row on this homestand, now sitting with two games left. Columbus and Johnny Gaudreau are in town Thursday. The Chicago Blackhawks come to town Saturday. They'll uh, be without Connor Bedard once again. Um, And the Flames, as they look at the standings on this January 24th, sit tied with the Seattle Kraken and the Minnesota Wild at 47 points. Minnesota with the same amount of games played as Calgary. Seattle, one less game. St. Louis now moves a point up on Calgary with two games in hand. Arizona is three is two points clear at Calgary with two games in hand as well. And the Flames are four points back of the Nashville Predators for the final wildcard spot. In the Western Conference, they have equal games played with the Nashville Predators. And look... <laughs> There's, there's no excuse. No one was making excuses last night for the Calgary Flames, but inconsistency is so often, in my mind, the difference between a good team and a great team is the ability to you know, not go on these long losing streaks or to not take one step forward and two steps back. To me, the, the best teams in any sport, and hockey included, you know, minimize these these backward steps and just continue to push upward throughout the 82-game season. And I think we're learning the Calgary Flames might just not be up to that task. The scariest part for me last night was the third period for the Calgary Flames looked like last year for the Calgary Flames. We don't have to go back very far to remember that this team was an awful third-period team last year. They were awful when they trailed in games last year. Bad things happened to this team last season, and they folded worse than Shan, my producer, trying to do origami to impress his first date. That, that did happen. I can't do it's it. It's really bad. They folded like a cheap lawn chair when something bad happened. But that hasn't been the case this year. It didn't matter what happened, a big moment in a game, like a Braden Shen shorthanded breakaway goal. Those sort of things didn't break this team this year. They were very good at just letting it be water off of their back, move on to the next situation, and try to to bounce back. But that didn't exist last night, and that was a really worrying thing for me because they've been so good in the third period of whether they're up in games, whether they're trailing in games. It was just the same sort of mentality from this Flames group that they're not going to let it bother them, and it shouldn't have bothered them. They still hold, still at that point when Braden Shen scored that shorthanded goal in the second period, still had a one-goal lead on the St. Louis Blues and still had a minute, what, I think 53, 52 seconds of of power play time. There was no reason to panic. I think the first 40 minutes, Calgary was clearly the better team. St. Louis might have been more opportunistic, 
with a couple of stretch plays and a couple of those breakaways, you know, leading to some good scoring chances. But I didn't think Calgary had any reason to doubt themselves heading into the third period. And it just gave me those vibes from last season of a team that let a moment in a game dictate what was going to happen. And there was no reason for it. At a minimum, that game should have gotten to overtime and you could have, you know, lived with the result of a three-on-three overtime or a a shootout result. But for the Flames to be up 3-1 and to be the kind of third-period team we've seen from them this season, that's a frustrating loss. And yes, Columbus coming to town, Chicago coming to town, you should absolutely look at that and say they need to pick up four points. But you tell me, if you're listening live on the text line, are are you confident that this team's picking up four points in the next two games? Because unfortunately, I'm not. And that's, that's not a shot at this group. I just, I don't think that they've proven to anybody that you can look at these next two games and say they're for sure picking up four points. Especially the fact that Chicago is coming to town and it's been one of those teams, again, going back to last year, that has had the Flames number when it comes to, I guess, performing against a lower opponent. I I guess that's the best way I can put it. Columbus has done that to Calgary before too. And I'm sorry, it's just become the mark of a team that is good at times and is bad at others. And that's not... That's not the formula for winning. It might be the formula to push for a playoff spot, an eighth seed, but I don't know. Is that what the goal is? Is that what the the be-all, end-all for this organization is, is to slip into the playoffs and see what can happen? I don't think that's good enough. And I, I think last night was a, a a big reminder for a lot of people who are on Team Tank or Team Retool or even just want to see a better version of this team that there is still work to do and they're not at the point that they need to be at if they want to be a contender and not just uh, a lottery ticket when it comes to a a potential playoff spot. Let's uh, head to the Flames locker room on this Wednesday practice day at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Did want to tell you uh, Adam Ruzichka and Nick DeSimone have been placed on waivers uh, by the Calgary Flames on this Wednesday. Um, Adam Ruzicka was obviously a healthy scratch Tuesday in place of Cole Schwint, who made his Flames debut. be interesting to see if Ruzicka clears waivers. He's got nine points in 39 games this season, 40 points in 114 uh, total NHL games played. I don't know if he gets claimed. I really don't. Um, I can see a team looking at a 24-year-old as a project and trying to get a sense if maybe a change of scenery can help, but I, I don't know that the tape through 40 games this season gives uh, a whole lot of other teams confidence that they can turn Adam Ruzicka around. I think it would be good news for the Calgary Flames if he clears waivers and is able to rejoin the the Wranglers on a full-time basis and maybe get some of that confidence back in his game, but we'll have to wait and see. And uh, with Nick Simone being placed on waivers. Have to wonder about how close we're getting to a return for Oliver Shillington, who, uh, per our pal Pat Steinberg, was uh, on a deep pairing at practice this morning with Jordan Osterley. 
We've seen him sort of operating as the seventh defenseman uh, in the last couple of practices this week, but to see him operating on um, uh, an actual pairing and being out there for a regular sort of rotation certainly makes you wonder. The Flames would have to clear a roster spot to bring Shillington into the lineup as he is currently on LTIR. So perhaps Nick DeSimone's uh, placement on waivers, an indication that Oliver Shillington is in fact getting closer uh, to that NHL return. Is it Thursday against Columbus? I don't know. Maybe Saturday uh, against Chicago. But man, uh, certainly feels like good news uh, for Oliver Shillington. Uh, we'll see what happens with Nick DeSimone and Adam Ruzichko when we get the results of waivers on Thursday morning. But let's head into the Flames locker room. Uh, let's get the latest from Ryan Huska. He was a frustrated coach, uh, as you can imagine, Tuesday after the loss to St. Louis. Uh, lots here with the head coach, including um, a quick comment on uh, the news today from uh, the Globe and Mail about five uh, players being asked to surrender to London police. Not much of an update from Ryan Huska, but uh, the latest from the Flames head coach of the Saddle Dome on Wednesday. When you play for someone, there's a lot more at stake. I think you're a lot more accountable for your actions and, and how you approach each and every situation. So that's the that's the big difference for sure. So um, when you look at our team over the last three games, I, I think we've been very loose, um, and that's not a, a great way to play for a teammate. You know. You mentioned yesterday that losing three in a home three yeah. in a row at home is unacceptable. I mean, how important is just making this place a fortress and? Well, it's 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 real important. I mean, it's a tough league to win in, and I think that's one thing that's changed over the years. Um, it used to be certain arenas they were almost impossible to win in, but the parity of the league now has made it such that if you're not at your best wherever you are at home or on the road, there's a pretty good chance you're not winning the game. Um, so it's a little bit different nowadays in regards to home and road records that you'll see because. Um, when we go on the road, we feel like we can win in any building. And it used to be a little bit different when teams would go and, and play road games. But it's that's changed a little bit. So you have to make sure you're at your best all the time. Otherwise, pretty good chance you're not getting the points that you want. So is the home thing that's a bit of a point of pride, I guess? Absolutely. And there's people here that are we have, we think, the greatest fans in the league. And they want to come and watch the team play hard, which I think for most nights they do. Um, they want to see uh, a team that's passionate and playing hard as a team because that's really what this city kind of is all about. So it's important that we come out here and put on that type of effort every time we step on the ice. When I asked Backlund about the three losses in a row, he said the one thing about them is like they're all not, they're not really the same loss, yeah. but he, but he felt like you guys let it slip through your fingers in each occasion. Is that is, yeah. is that sort of how you view it? Um, you know, I would similar to what he's saying, but I would go the other way. They are very similar in regards to how we lost those games, right? There's little plays at certain times of the games where maybe we try to do something that we shouldn't do that's come back to hurt us, and it shifts momentum a little bit in a game. So that's that's probably what I would say to that. Ryan, I have to ask you, uh, there, there's been news throughout the NHL today, uh, several players leaving their teams uh, with indefinite leaves of absence, uh, many connected to the 2018 World Junior Hockey Team. I know Dylan took his leave on Sunday for mental health reasons is what the, the team is saying. Do you have any uh, comment in regards to, to that and what may, if any conversations you had with Dylan leading up Sunday. Yeah, I saw the reports this morning just like everybody else, but I, I don't have any information on it at all. I'm sorry about that. There you go. Checking in with Flames head coach Ryan Huska after a practice day at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Some of your texts at 960-960. The fan feedback line is always open to you. 
Start with this one. I'm confident the Flames win against Columbus and Chicago, but it doesn't matter. The Flames can't reasonably reach 94 points. This entire season has been a waiting game to see who will be traded. Confident against Chicago? Flames can't beat Chicago. We'll have to see. Uh, this one says, all confidence in this lineup is gone. They show time and time again they play down the lower teams in the standings or teams that really aren't just that bad. Sometimes they play well against higher-ranked teams. Uh, that one from Despliff and Foothills Industrial. Uh, this one says, I disagree on the Flames being better the first 40 minutes. I felt the game start to finish wasn't acceptable. The first 10 minutes they had St. Louis dictate more of the play until the Flames got the first goal. Flames got on track for a bit, were then plagued by careless play and unnecessary mistakes, and it slowly unraveled till the complete collapse in the third. Uh, this one says, this team has always just aimed for the final playoff spot. I'm so tired of settling for mediocrity. Uh, this one says, why was Markstrom in net coming off industry, off injury, excuse me, uh, Vladdy was red hot, poor coaching decision cost them the game. Um, I mean, Jacob was in net because he was healthy and ready to go. Um, I don't think any coach would have felt differently about that. He's your number one guy. Uh, and prior to his most recent injury was, was red hot, uh, given the breakaways and given some of the high danger chances the Flames gave up last night, I'm not sure. I, I feel the same way about um, that that texture does about Markstrom starting, but it's fair. We can we can agree to disagree. Uh, this one says, no confidence in this Flames team picking up four points. Let's move on. Trade out and move down. Let the kids play and learn the hard way. They should be aiming to draft higher. Uh, this text says, you're dead on. It's about time you said it. Uh, should be this team should be preparing for next season starting right now. Uh, this says I think we're all just waiting for either the team or management to surprise us in some way, either stringing together some success on the ice or actually moving someone for an optimistic future. Uh, those are just some of the texts at nine six zero nine six zero. Again, if you missed it earlier, um, I know not everyone tunes in for the whole segments. Uh, we did kick off. Uh, the program today mentioning the report from the Globe and Mail that five players have been told to surrender to London police in connection with the 2018 World Juniors uh, investigation. Um, that, of course, still uh, an unknown list of names, so we're not reporting anything further than that today, just bringing you the latest from uh, those who are investigating it. I know I've seen on the text line that some people want to to dive further and dive into exact names and things that we've seen on Twitter. I, I apologize that the, the wait continues. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, due process has to take its place. And when that happens, I promise you on this show, I won't speak for other shows. Uh, we will dive into it more. Um, but until there's more concrete evidence out there, it would be inappropriate for me. And it would be frankly, you know, in some senses, damaging to the company I work for to accuse or associate anyone with these sort of accusations. So I'm just not going to, but understand, I understand the frustration. I understand this is a process that has taken way, way, way too long to get to this sort of resolution. And I hope it's something that we can get through sooner rather than later. I'm not trying to ignore it. I'm not trying to push it to the side. Uh, I'm just trying to present you with the facts that I can uh, on a day like today where there's a lot of different things uh, going out there. So 
Uh, I hope on the text line you can kind of appreciate the position I'm in as a as a show host here and uh, trying to navigate this in the, the fairest way possible while still bringing this to your attention as a listener. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back on the other side. Uh, we're going to turn up the silliness and uh, tone down the seriousness for a bit. Uh, it's time for another edition of Wild Card Wednesday. we got Shan and Azam ready to spin the wheel. We'll need your help when we come back. It's another edition of Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour one of Sportsnet Today rolls on. Logan Gordon along with you. My producers on this Wednesday are Azam and Shan. We'll get to another edition of Wild Card Wednesday coming up in just moments. We did want to pass along uh, the latest on a continuing story from today, the Globe and Mail. Uh, reporting that five players have been told to surrender to London police in connection with the 2018 World Juniors investigation. Uh, Rick West, head of TSN, was the first to pass this on, but London Police Services uh, releasing a statement uh, just moments ago saying that we understand there is significant public interest in relation to a sexual assault investigation dating back to 2018. We anticipate that the LPS will hold a press conference on Monday, February 5th, 2024, to share further details. So that is the latest from the London Police Service in uh, coordination and uh, continuation, I should say, of uh, the report from the Globe and Mail today about five players uh, being told to surrender to London Police. So it sounds like uh, they're anticipating Monday, February 5th, uh, to hold a press conference to share further details. So that's the latest, again, from the London Police today. Uh, Cam, one of our regular producers, isn't here, but that doesn't mean uh, that uh, Wednesdays change things up. Uh, it's time to get silly. We got a new addition to the Wild Card Wednesday lineup. We'll need your help if you're listening live on the text line. But uh, it's time to have some fun with the boys on the afternoon show. Azam, you can hit it. It's time for another edition of Wild Card Wednesday. Get ready to know your afternoon show. It's time for Wild Card Wednesday. Yes, Wild Card Wednesday is back. We do it every Wednesday here on the program. The brainchild of Pat Steinberg is back. We have seven categories on the wheel. Each one of us will take a a turn spinning the wheel. We'll ask the group a question. We have to answer the question honestly. Text line, we love it when you play along in this one. And uh, we've got a new addition to the Wild Card Wednesday lineup uh, this week. Logan Gordon, obviously, with you. Shan is here as well. Hello. Shan's done pretty well on Wild Card Wednesday as well. And uh, along with us this afternoon, you hear him on the Hitman Hockey Hour on Sundays here on Sportsnet 960. But Azam is along with us. What's up, Azam? Not much. How are you? I'm doing great, buddy. You ready for Wild Card Wednesday? I am excited and ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Shan, why don't you kick things off for us today? How's that work? I can do that. We'll, we'll let Azam ease into it. All right. Uh, Shan's going to be first up. Shan, if you could spin the wheel, please. Personal life. Oh, personal this is the life. most feared category of all. By the way, the seven categories, personal life, food, music, movies, flames, sports, and the wild card category. Shan kicking us off with personal life. I'd like, to, I'd like to start by saying I'm not asking for your childhood trauma. Okay. That is not what this question is about. What, my question here, what's something from your childhood that has ruined an activity or a food or anything to you up until this day? Once again... 
No childhood trauma. That is not what we're focusing on for a fun segment. So you just you want like a childhood, a bad childhood memory, essentially, that's stuck with us? Stuck with you, something you, you can't eat, you can't do, just because it, it, it just wasn't fun during your childhood. That's a tough one. Azam, do you have any terrible childhood memories that you want to tell Shan about okay. while on the radio? <laughs> well, a, a few come to mind. I'm just trying to think of which one is the most appropriate. <laughs> yeah, no, usually we get the question asker to start things off so the other two have a chance to uh, to process. Shan, what, what comes to mind when you ask this question? So my my father's from, from Kenya. He's from Africa, right? And... Obviously, in Calgary, Alberta, we have we have winter elements here. There's a lot of snow. Yeah, it's pretty cold. And growing up, we would go skiing as a family, but my dad couldn't ski at all. It was like it was like you put a, a gazelle, you give him some some planks, and you say, "All right, get down this hill." It, it just it just did not work. Uh, so skiing as as a child was ruined for me because I couldn't even get down the hill. I'd have to wait for my dad. And um, there was also certainly a negative negative thought around winter sports because that just was not his thing. Not so, a lot of winter sports in Kenya. No, not. They don't do very well in the Winter Olympics. And um, my, uh, yeah, so skiing is, is ruined a little bit for me. And um, it's something I still can't do to this day because, you know, all my friends are like, let's go skiing. I'm like, ah, 22 and I really can't anymore. Whoops. Hmm. That, that's mine. It's fair. Azam, you have uh, a radio appropriate one that... You're ready to share? Yeah, I, I used to love um, I love tomatoes, and that was my favorite thing. Uh, and when I was not a very uh, good child at times uh, growing up, and whenever uh, I would be not the greatest, uh, my mom would squash the tomatoes, and then eventually told me that's where uh, ketchup comes from. And to this day, I will not touch ketchup. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Um, man. I gotta think about it. I mean, the best one I can give you, and I mean, I don't like. I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> this will sound stupid, but when I was a kid, I loved the Power Rangers. It was just my. It was my favorite TV show. Yeah, me too. Me too. And my neighbors were the neighbors that kept their Christmas lights up all season, like okay. all throughout the year. And I, I know one afternoon, I was like, oh, they're, they're kind of colorful. And I, so I went over to my neighbor's yard and I <laughs> unscrewed a bunch of uh, Christmas lights and was like pretending they were something to do with the Power Rangers. Um, and I got in so much <laughs> trouble for stealing when I could just, I went back into the yard and just, I, I screwed them back in. And there was no harm, no foul on my mind. Um, but I got in so much trouble for that. I don't think I ever, I was so embarrassed. I don't think I ever talked to my neighbors <laughs> like again until we moved away from that house. I was so embarrassed because I got in so much trouble about pretending to be a power ranger with their Christmas lights. Um, and I was like really good friends with the, the neighbor's kid next door. We used to play like street hockey all the time, but yeah. I was so embarrassed. I wouldn't go over to his house no anymore. No way. So... Um, I, I, that's the one that comes to mind for me is I was like, I just, I ruined a friendship over a couple of Christmas light bulbs. <laughs> just being a kid. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was, it was kind of stealing, but I put them back and it was good. So, uh, a couple on the text line popped up as they always do. Um, this one says, uh, cereal. That's my childhood flashback scenario. Can't eat Cheerios, 
cornflakes, puffed wheat rice, crispies. Terrible, terrible experience in my youth. That's from Sean near Mosley. I would be, I don't know if I want to know why you can't do that. This is one that I've <laughs> never had happen, but I've heard of people having this happen, and it's terrified me from afar. Fishbone stuck in my throat. Oh, God. Dad had to get it out with his fingers. Oh, that's terrible. I'd never eat fish again. Ugh. Never. I'd never, I wouldn't trust anything. Um, this one says, I think those of us forced to go camping growing up are now people that never leave the house. I've heard some camping horror stories. Listen, you're stuck. Depends with your- on how you're camping, though. Yeah. Like if your parents are going out in the RV and the trailer, it's better experience. For sure. The tent, maybe not so much. Uh, this one says, growing up in Kelowna, 40 degree heat, pool all day long, drinking Orange Crush and Popcorn Twist. Puked my brains out <laughs> till this day. Can't eat that stuff. Uh, and Dan and Cochran says, attended a Fear Factor night, had to eat a block of garlic butter. <laughs> I won, what? but to this day, I don't touch garlic bread. That's disgusting. That's a Fear Factor one for sure. That's gross. That's really bad. Ugh. Who would attend a Fear Well, I mean, okay. I guess there's some adrenaline involved. Well, yeah, in that, I don't but- have some fun life experience, Shan. I guess. I like that. All right. Uh, Shan starts us off well with the personal life question. I like it. Uh, Azam, I'm going to spin the wheel next. We're going to leave you for last today. So uh, I'm going to spin the wheel and get us our next category. Sounds good. Sports. Ooh. Uh, guys, what are the three worst? I don't know, I'm not going to say the three worst. In North American pro sports. Okay. Give me the top three cities that you don't want to visit to go see a professional sports game. Oh, top three cities. The top three places where you're like, the boys called me up. We're going on a boys trip next month, and we're going to blank city for the weekend. And you're like, "Mm, I'm good. Well, I'm putting Columbus on that list. Yeah, I was like, that's the first thing that came to my head. I, I don't really have any desire to go to Ohio. I don't know. Uh, someone that wore 13 for the Flames uh, certainly wow. had a desire to go there, but wow. I, I just I just don't think that's uh, like Columbus, Ohio. That doesn't sound uh, appealing to me. I, I don't know if I'd want to see a game in Philadelphia because of how ridiculous the fans are in Philadelphia. However, it would be, on, on the other end of that, it would be pretty cool to see, you know, like you go to a Phillies game, there's 40,000 people there just saying, heinous things for nine innings like that you know it might be cool it might be terrible uh, i'm gonna have to think about my third one is what do you got for that uh, i've got two as well one i've actually been to which is why i know it's uh not the greatest but i'm there with you with uh columbus uh just doesn't seem like a a fun place to be at and, no. and that cannon is also very annoying that i see i don't like loud noises i would not like that cannon yeah so that one and the other one which i've been to is buffalo uh KeyBank Arena is terrible. It is honestly one of the worst places to sit in. And I've been to Barclays Place where the scoreboard isn't even at center ice. And oh. KeyBank is just very annoying. Huh. Hmm. See, I'm seeing one of the text line. Minnesota, hard pass, sounds too boring. Tell me one fun thing to do there. I would love to go to Minnesota to watch a hockey game because like, they're the state of hockey. They love their hockey down there. I, I mean, I can understand it. You know, it's a Timberwolves game. Maybe it's a little different, but 
I just think going to a wild game with with the, that crowd, it's I feel bad for them because they've had uh, they, they've experienced mediocrity for a while, but they're still dedicated to that team. So I think Minnesota would be a cool place to go. I think my other one might have to be Edmonton. I've been there. I gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my words. <laughs> no, no, please. This is a, this is a safe, Edmonton is so a great safe space for you to be honest and open about where you don't want to go to watch a sporting event. It's fine. It's Wild Card Wednesday. It's what we do. I mean. I played volleyball and basketball growing up, and for each sport, every year we'd have to go to Edmonton for a tournament. And it was pretty cool playing at U of A, but other than that, the city is just boring. It's great. They have a mall. Awesome. That's about it. And, you know, the I will say the arena is is gorgeous. I was there for the second event there, which was the, the Drake Summer 16 concert. The arena is beautiful. I just, I don't like two and a half, three hour drive up north. I don't like it. So I might have to say Edmonton. I've got a couple. Uh, the first one's Salt Lake City. Oh. Um, I had a bad experience when I went there. We were passing through one night, and there was a jazz game on. And um, they're, a very, they're very nice people. Yeah. In Salt Lake, they're very, I'll say they're very proper um, in some terms. And, uh, you know, around certain places, it's normal to scalp tickets, right? To yeah. go and go outside the arena and try to buy tickets. And so we asked the lady at the front desk at our hotel when we were at Salt Lake City, we were going to go to a jazz game. So, oh, well, where do the scalpers usually hang out in front? Because, excuse me, sir, we don't use that kind of language around here. <laughs> I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> like, what did I, what did I possibly, and I guess scalpers is a very rude term uh, to use down there. And she said, we just expect all of the, attendees to go and buy a ticket from the box office so and it's just it's one of those places i'm sorry i don't really have any interest in visiting salt lake city yeah you know similar to the text about minnesota and what you're going to do there i really wouldn't have anything to do in salt lake city uh, outside of going to a sporting event and i'm not even that big of a basketball guy as you guys know so going to see whatever the utah jazz at i don't know probably 13th and whatever conference they're in is is probably a pass (laughs) You know, yeah. uh, Portland's probably up there. That's a weird place. I've always wanted to go to Portland. Portland's I, just a weird, yeah, a weird kind of. It's just a weird place. Been there a couple times. They've got a couple of sporting franchises. WHL. I think they got a soccer team too. Yep, they do. Um, just not my cup of tea. I'm seeing Oakland here in the text line. Yeah, that, Oakland's probably a fair. There's a reason they're losing all of their teams. <laughs> Yeah, I mean... To Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I think Oakland's probably fair for a, a couple of reasons. You know, safety and, and health. Yeah. I, I don't want to see any uh, slander about the Saddle Dome. I don't care how old <laughs> it is. I don't care that it might be crumbling a little bit. That's one of the best places to go in the NHL. Don't care. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, you mentioned Edmonton. You mentioned Minnesota. I got another vote for Salt Lake City. Uh, Kelsey says Oakland, Milwaukee, and Atlanta. I'd like to go to Atlanta. Yeah, that'd be cool. I think Atlanta seems like a cool city. Milwaukee, yeah. I mean, yeah. They're they're just lucky they have a really good basketball team. Uh, this one's with you on Philly. Fun to watch from far away. Uh, European football cities. Hooligans are dangerous. Uh, this one says Calgary. I actually hate going to Flames games in my own no. city. <laughs> How? Some people don't love it, man. Saddledome's great. You just got to wear a helmet up there. Uh, this one says Edmonton. This one says Edmonton. This one says went to Edmonton a weekend with my uh, one-year-old. Uh, 
or with my kid, sorry, and it says, just as we enter the city, says, only thing I don't like about Edmonton is that it's not pretty or beautiful. Yeah. It, yeah, it's certainly neither it's of not. those things. It's fair. Uh, uh, Ray and Airdrie says, Vancouver, arrogant Toronto, uh, and conceded Cowboys. Vancouver's such a beautiful city, though. I, I will say some of their fans, like, we, we know what happened in 2011. They got some fans that, uh, I, I don't say they act in the best behavior. However, Vancouver is a very cool city. When you go to, you're, you're pretty much right on the ocean when you're watching a game. It's, it's cool. Uh, okay. Well, it leaves uh, only the new guy left to spin the wheel. Is all we've go. got us uh, for the last category, pal. All right. Let me spin the wheel. Wild card. Oh, the first wild card. Zom can go literally anywhere he wants with this. I actually have an interesting one because I've always thought about this. If you were a professional hockey player, would you rather score the Stanley Cup game-winning goal or the golden goal in the Olympics? Oh. Hmm. Wow. Would you rather score the Stanley Cup-winning goal or the golden goal at the Olympics? This is this is an interesting topic because. If you ask if you ask most Europeans this, they'll say the gold the gold medal the the uh, golden goal. Here in Canada, I think a lot of people would say the Stanley Cup winning winning goal because Canada's won the Olympics a lot. It's 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 expected that on the international level you are you're expected to win. But when you are playing for the Stanley Cup, you know you're in a league with 32 teams and the teams are are, are fairly well represented and and I'll call them even in a way. So from a competition standpoint, winning, you know, getting the gold or uh, the Stanley Cup winning goal, that would be, I think that would be cooler as a Canadian. See, I, I think it's the golden goal for me. I think the golden yeah. goal exceeds sports rivalry. It's a goal that, especially in Canada, yeah, means something to so many people. Like, I, I just... I mean, how often do we reference Sidney Crosby's golden goal like that? Yeah. To have the opportunity, and Canada's won plenty of gold medals, but to have the opportunity to be the guy that won the, the guy or girl that won the, the gold medal yeah. for your country, and especially if it's best on best. Like, if it's what the Olympics have been the last couple of years, maybe I'd probably lean towards scoring a Stanley Cup winning goal. But if we're talking like true best on best with the States and Sweden and Finland, all these teams at their peak, mm-hmm. I want to score the golden goal, man. I think you're remembered by generations, whereas I think the Stanley Cup goal probably resonates mostly in your own city, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm the same thing there with you, Logan. Like, I think the golden goal is just something that has always been a part like even the golden goal from 2010 when Crosby scored like you mentioned like we still reminisce to that day of where we were sitting when that goal was scored and it's just a big thing on a national on an international level and especially with how proud you are to be Canadian or wherever you're from to have that on the front of your chest is such a big importance and I feel that's where a lot of the players you know it's an honor to wear you know, whatever you have of the maple leaf on your chest when you put that goal through and uh, have your national anthem sung on an international stage. I just think, I'm speaking as a Canadian, but when when you start to play hockey as a Canadian and you're you're reaching those, those top levels, your goal is to win the Stanley Cup. An Olympic gold is 
nothing to be it's not you can't play that down it's olympic gold it's it's the olympics is something that's been around for for however many years and, and to win a gold that's it's so cool it's just when you're a canadian your goal is to win the stanley cup that's and, and bringing the competition back into it you're in a season long fight and that one team out of 32 comes out on top and the olympics you've got you got four five teams maybe competing for for the gold medal that actually have a chance. That's why I think the Stanley Cup would just be a little more to me. You know what might sway me the more I think about it is what team I was playing yeah, for. That's true. Right? If I was to score the game-winning goal for Tampa Bay this year or something like that, yeah. it might be different. But if you're bringing a Stanley Cup back somewhere for the first time in decades. Like the Leafs. which Yeah. We don't want it to happen, but no. But that's gonna be if that's you know whoever scores that goal, if it ever exists, it won't. But <laughs> pretty big deal. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Or if you're bringing the first Stanley Cup mm-hmm. somewhere, that's a pretty big deal as well. Or your hometown, as you mentioned, that's just that's probably yeah. The those are yeah. those are probably things that would make me reconsider. But I, I think I'd have to go. I'd have to go Golden Goal. And like yeah. as long as you still talk about where you were watching Crosby and, you know, that moment. And there's been plenty of Olympics since then, mm-hmm. but that's the one that we talk about. Well, because they can't send the pros to the Olympics. Well, they still played in 2014. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but we just don't talk about it yeah. in the same breath. Yeah, because right? it was, what, what a 4 nothing Canada win over Sweden in the in 2014. Yeah, it was super and, early in the super morning. Super early in the morning, but the 2010 one, because not only was overtime, but against the Americans, but on home soil. Yeah. It just, I think it has that extra oomph to it. Uh, this one says, uh, some of the text line, golden goal if I'm outside of North America. Uh, Shoop says golden goal, no question. Uh, this text comes in, Stanley all the way. Uh, how about this? Game 7, 0-0, triple OT. I picked the Stanley Cup winning goal. Not bad. Uh, Olympic gold because you're playing the best players in the world. You have to make Team Canada first as well. It's a good point. It's a good point. So it's it's maybe a little bit harder to be on an Olympic squad, depending on what country you're playing for. Yeah. So uh, some good answers there. Appreciate it. Uh, great job by Zom and Chan. Uh, that's another edition of Wild Card Wednesday. We'll do it all again uh, a week from today. Uh, we'll have more fun questions as we uh, spin the wheel. When we come back, we'll kick off Hour 2. Alish Forfar is going to join us, our Wednesday regular uh, Leafs and Jets are the main game of Wednesday night hockey on Sportsnet, so we'll look forward to that. Plus, an hour to Stampeders president Jay McNeil is going to join us, uh, talk about his new role with the organization. We'll do all that and more. Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.